Savvy Senior Life, and I'm your host, Lynn Fontaine. This episode, we're going to zero in on healthy aging. And according to Healthy Aging Magazine, September is Healthy Aging Month. This is a magazine for positive, vibrant, active, 45-plus-year-old people who are taking charge of their lives. I discovered this magazine after creating a podcast where my POV is also upbeat and positive, but with an emphasis on those of us closer to retirement age. One of the articles I read in the magazine was about a 69-year-old woman who accepted a $1,000 challenge from her son-in-law to master seven pull-ups. After 15 months of training, she was stuck at six pull-ups. Understand that she had never attempted these previously, so her trainer actually helped trick her brain to get her to the seventh pull-up. As you would expect, this training changed her both physically and mentally. Her motto now is, be a badass. Be a joyful badass and develop a physical challenge for yourself, which is exactly what this episode is about. It's a reminder that you're never too old to make healthy changes. No matter your age, you can become a healthier badass. Sure, the sooner you start, the better position you're in, but tests have shown that there are improvements at every stage of your life. To help us better understand the positive effects of these changes in our diet and physical activities, I have invited Elaine to join me today. Elaine is a licensed MFT, psychotherapist, a certified eating disorder specialist, and a certified personal trainer with a specialty in nutritional fitness. She is a founding member of Eating Recovery Center, which is ERC of Denver. She's a board member and involved in executive management until her retirement. She has worked in the field of eating disorders, fitness, and health for over 30 years in Tucson, Phoenix, Hilton Head, and as a consultant for several other companies in the U.S. and Australia. Hi, Elaine. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lynn. It is always a pleasure to see you and to be with you. I'm going to talk today about healthy bodies, exercising, and the mind-brain connection, which are my favorite topics to discuss. In fact, I was just reading in a current fitness magazine about a study from USC, Leonard Davis School of Gerontology, that Exercise is the closest thing we have to the fountain of youth. In a journal called Preventive Medicine, stated that people who did cardio for 30 minutes, five days a week, had a biological age that was nearly nine years younger than those who were sedentary. So maybe we can say a journey to a savvy senior life has a lot to do with the way we care for ourselves through exercise, diet, and lifestyle. Can you please expound on exactly what healthy aging means? Well, to me, healthy aging is about creating the environment and opportunities that enable people to be and do what they value throughout their lives. Without a quality of life, the aging process appears painful. 
So taking care of our bodies is the most important activity in life, as far as I'm concerned. Starting off young and continuing to live a healthy lifestyle increases our quality of life as we age and into savvy senior lifestyle. There is an activity theory that states that people are happiest when they stay active and maintain social connections, optimizing opportunities for physical, social, and mental health, along with enjoying their independence with a good quality of life. Healthy aging is not only to ward off diseases, it is about the quality of the life you live, or as long as you live. Life is about endurance and stamina. To live the increasing years we have today, it requires exercise, activity for the heart and brain, which in return gives you good energy to participate in your daily life. Delayed aging is now a reality. People are just living longer, thanks to new advances in research and science. The U.S. School, USC, excuse me, School of Gerontology has measured people's biological age through different markers of good health and found that the pace of aging has slowed over the last 20 years. Although genetics plays a role in how fast we age, new research shows behavioral changes makes a huge impact. There is a lot we can control today through our diet, our exercise, and our lifestyle. We all know that physical exercise has to be a part of everyday life. And since it's never too late, it is super simple to incorporate in retirement, even if you're just beginning to get serious about your physical activities. If you don't belong to a gym, you can walk, find exercise routines on YouTube, or even subscribe to websites such as Daily Burn, where you pay just a nominal monthly fee and have access to basically all types of exercise routines. I really want to reiterate and say that once you are on Medicare, there are thousands of gyms throughout the country that you can join free of charge under the Silver Sneakers benefit. So we really have no excuse for procrastination. So, Elaine, would you please highlight the key benefits of exercise and its importance to our overall health? I recently read the simplest of statements, and that is, if you want to live a longer, healthier life, then just get up and move every day. Yes, Lynn, that is the latest research being expounded today. You commonly hear that genetics only loads the gun but your behavior pulls the trigger, which also means our behavioral choices have a lot to do with our health outcome, living a long, happy life without too many problems or medical problems. On the way to come and see you, I was listening to the doctor's program on the radio. One of the doctors stated that 90% of his patients would never have to see him if they exercised daily and lived a healthy lifestyle. Basically, only 10% actually genetically had a medical issue. I was pleasantly surprised to hear this spoken over the radio and pleased that some doctors know a lot of problems may never arise 
through eating a balanced, healthy diet, exercising daily, getting seven to eight hours of quality sleep, and dealing with your tension through meditation or walk in nature. Exercise is actually a stress reliever. You may not even like exercise, but just go do it anyway. For your heart, for your mind, for your bones, muscles, and your own immortal soul. It is either continued growth through exercise or continued decay. Physical exercise is really the most important activity you can do. It stimulates the brain's ability to connect with the body and get you younger and feeling younger as well. It gives you strength, the optimism, and the flexibility to keep your body and your mind stronger. Jack LaLanne said, for all of those of you who know Jack LaLanne years ago, (laughs) exercise is the catalyst. It is what makes everything happen. Digestion, elimination, your sex life, a healthier skin, and healthier hair. Basically, everything about you is dependent upon circulation, which you get through exercise. Exercise also stimulates the brain's ability to keep the blood vessels open and flexible. It stimulates the brain's ability to generate new neurons. Neurons are generated in the frontal lobe and the hippocampus. When you stimulate these new neurons through mental or social interaction, they connect to other neurons and become integrated into the brain circuits that help maintain their function throughout your entire life. Oxygen and blood flow are increased through exercise and is a catalyst for healing. We must have the blood flow going to damaged areas and the brain to keep alive. Only by increasing your circulation and heart rate through exercise can enough blood flow get to all the outer extremities, that means your feet and your toes, and most importantly, the top of your head, the brain. 30 minutes or more, six days a week of exercise rebuilds our muscles and makes the body and the mind operate more efficiently overall. Strength and endurance training also improves your body's insulin response. Muscle stores about 80% of the sugar you consume through food. When you work out, or train, you make your muscles more effective, absorbing the sugar from your blood so your body requires less insulin. Today's research shows how much you move throughout the day is critical. If you have a sedentary job, decide how you can replace two hours of the day sitting with standing and walking, whether that's working at a standing desk getting on your feet when you talk on a phone or going on a long walk at lunch or a combination of all three. At my last hospital, the psychiatrist asked me to put them in stand-up desk to keep them more alert, feeling stronger, and by not paining their backs, basically them standing so much or sitting so much during the day put a lot of pain and pressure on their back. The current research I was reading out of the University in Spain reported that cumulative lifestyle stress accelerates 
the epigenetic aging, which is a predictor of the rate of biological aging. Their research suggests that epigenetic clock runs slower in long-term meditators than in those who don't meditate, basically meaning the more quiet and the peace of mind you have, the longer you will live. I'll list a few other benefits from physical activity. Number one, it enhances memory. It helps increase the size of the hippocampus. It also stimulates the production of growth factors that nurture the stem cell production. It decreases the beta amyloid plaque formation, which contributes to Alzheimer's and memory loss. It improves cognitive flexibility and function, and it elevates our mood and helps us to focus. Physical activity also enhances the heart's ability to pump blood throughout the body and the brain, which increases oxygen and nutrient delivery. It enhances insulin's ability to lower high blood sugar levels, reducing the risk of diabetes. It also helps you maintain agility, coordination, speed, and improves blood pressure. It allows for greater detoxification through sweat, and the activity enhances the quality of your sleep because of you being physically exhausted. It increases the levels of the hormone, DHEA, which is critical to brain health. Physical activity also boosts immunity and reduces inflammation in the body. It improves balance, flexibility, weight loss, and promotes bone health. It increases blood flow to the brain. Low blood flow in the brain is the number one predictor of future memory problems such as dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Well, if that isn't enough to motivate us, then I don't know what will. But could you please describe the specific exercise routines that we could be doing and how they are beneficial to us? Well, I believe, as most of the literature supports, that we need cardio, a minimum of 30 minutes, five days per week of some type of cardio exercise. Cardio exercise routine is paramount for circulation, for blood flow to the heart, the brain, the vascular system, which lessens hardening and narrowing of the arteries. It also improves your lungs' health. Cardial activity helps prevent or delay in older adults diseases such as diabetes, heart, and dementia. Cardio can be walking, biking, hiking, dancing, pickleball today, tennis. Do whatever you enjoy because that is the exercise that will keep you coming back. It's best that the cardio exercise be of moderate intensity, endurance that gets your heart rate up and keeps you breathing hard. Number two that helps support our system is the strength training, which is needed to keep your bone density, muscle strength, balance, mood elevation, and focus. Maintaining muscle strength in your arms, legs, back, chest, and glutes will keep you looking firm, more youthful, and more importantly, strong. Osteoporosis occurs at a more rapid rate when you lose your bone density. 
Weight training builds bone density. You can continue to lift things as you age, stand up without support, keeping your hips durable, flexible, and capable of everyday use. As a sideline, muscles burn more calories than fat. Number three, I call flexibility, as it comes from stretching and core strength. As we age, we need to be better at balancing and coordination, which helps to prevent falling. I can't stress enough the benefits of flexibility. To bend, touching your toes, moving from side to side, catching yourself if you start to slip, or just hopping in and out of bed. There are many exercises a person can do today by going to your computer and finding an app such as Yoga Philosophy that will stretch you through a routine, creating the flexibility gently as you progress in flexibility and strength. Yoga will give you both strength and flexibility, as will Tai Chi. Okay, Elaine, so it's becoming increasingly apparent that we could all use a prescription for a healthy lifestyle to ward off or slow the progress of any health concerns we may be facing. What is recognized today as some of the most common diseases for the aging? Well, it is interesting when we consider what the leading causes of death are among the ages of 65 and over as they are close to the common causes of death among the population as a whole. Many of these conditions are preventable and highly treatable. Many of these diseases can be avoided or reduced through significant lifestyle changes, such as daily exercise, eating a healthy diet of fresh fruit, vegetables, fresh protein, whole grains, nuts, fish, high-fiber foods, and those low in saturated fats, along with quitting smoking and keeping a healthy weight. The top cause of death today over 65, and I'm going to start with number one here, is heart disease, in which the arteries serving the heart become narrow and hardened, including heart failure, heart attacks, and heart arrhythmia. These can cause your heart to beat ineffectively and impair circulation. And number two is cancer, which many people believe is number one. But all kinds of cancer, including breast cancer, colon cancer, skin cancer, leukemia, and including the malignant blood and bone marrow diseases, which also includes multiple myeloma. Once again, research states to be physically active, eat a healthy diet, including fruits, vegetables, fiber, and fish, while reducing saturated fats, limiting alcohol to one or two drinks a day. Older adults are at a greater risk than the general population, though for some reason the cause is unclear, often contributed, though, to an unhealthy lifestyle. Number three of the top leading deaths is COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. This is a group of diseases that makes it difficult to breathe, including bronchitis and emphysema. With this diagnosis, you need to steer clear of other airborne pollutants, including dust and chemical fumes. COPD is linked to lung cancer. 
And number four is cerebrovascular disease. The cause is either a clot or a blockage that cuts off blood flow to part of the brain or having a brain hemorrhage. Both causes death or damage to brain tissue that can cause paralysis, speech disorders, swallowing problems, and immobility. Seniors with diabetes and high blood pressure are at a higher risk of stroke. And number five is Alzheimer's. This progressive and deadly disease is characterized by progressive memory loss, personality changes, and eventually a complete loss of function and ability. I was actually just talking to someone this morning who just lost his wife, and he said it was one of the most debilitating diseases that he's ever experienced because there's nothing that anyone can do about it. But recent literature, however, shines a brighter light about this disease, reporting there is a chance to reverse or lessen this disease through exercise, healthy lifestyle, avoiding hypertension, heart disease, diabetes, depression, and getting the appropriate amount of sleep. Brain health is most important to focus on for all of us seniors. I say, fall in love with your brain. It runs everything in your life. Epigenetics are the way behaviors, emotions, and environment can turn genes on or off. Genetics now know that our habits, feelings, and environment affect our biology so deeply they cause changes in the genes that are transmitted to future generations. And you know it wants to know, Lynn, that before they believed that the genes you have were the genes you were going to have forever. And now we know. Interesting. Now, number six is type 2 diabetes, also known as adult-onset diabetes. It's a chronic disease that lowers the immune system and can increase the risk of stroke, heart disease, and other circulatory problems. Wounds take longer to heal, and respiratory infections like pneumonia often are severe. Again, maintaining a healthy weight by eating a healthy diet and exercising regularly can reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes. Number seven is accidents. Falls represent more than half of accidental deaths. Simple falls can result in fractures that cause immobility, disability, and may hasten death. Okay, I think we've basically exhausted exercise. So how about we move on to nutrition? And Lord knows, over the years, there have been so many differing diets, food pyramids, fad diets, which didn't address lifestyle changes or even good nutrition, really, leaving most of us confused as to which recommendations we should be adhering to. Well, Lynn, it isn't hard to understand the confusion when you realize that food pyramids have been developed since 1916 with a focus on protective foods, protecting the farmers and using established household measures, which have been a handful of flour. And remember, in those days, we didn't have electricity or refrigerators. But in 1940, they developed another pyramid, and it was considered complex and lacked serving sizes. 
But I want to throw in here that it's interesting to note that most of these pyramids from 1916 to 2015 have been promoted by the food lobbyists and politicians. In 1956 into 1970, the pyramid was for fitness with a daily guide. It was a basic four. And these goals were, were for nutrient adequacy. The pyramid included guidance on appropriate fats, sugars, and calorie intake. But there was no research behind any of this to determine what fats, sugars, and caloric intake we needed. Then, 1979, they came up with a hassle-free daily food guide. It included a fifth group to highlight the need to moderate the intake of fats, sweets, and alcohol. Then in 1984, they came up with another one, which was called the Food Wheel, and it included goals for nutrient adequacy and moderation. In 92, there came another one. It was a food guide pyramid. The illustrations in the form of a pyramid focusing on concepts of variety, moderation, and proportion. However, within this pyramid, the fats and sugars were throughout the five food groups were at the very tip, and this is at the top of the pyramid. 2005, my pyramid food guidance, Daily Guide for Americans, introduced the amounts of food at 12 different levels. This vertical pyramid added a ban for oils and the concept of physical activity. This is the first time physical activity was ever added to a pyramid. And six years later, my plate was introduced along with updating the USDA food patterns for the 2010 Dietary Guidelines for America. It looked like a plate, and it was more visual, but had very little messages on it. They just wanted people to see the plate and to recognize that you need to consume fewer calories. In 2015, the long-held U.S. dietary guidelines imploring us eat less fat along with the dangers of eating fat had a shocking reversal. U.S. Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee exonerated cholesterol and removed any recommendation to limit dietary cholesterol or total dietary fat except for high saturated fat. Researchers discovered the brain and the heart need good fat and does not create heart disease. As a result of the recommended cutting out fats, Americans became sicker than ever. Heart disease increased, type 2 diabetes, and the obesity rate around the globe skyrocketed. In 1960, one out of 100 Americans had type 2 diabetes. Now, one out of 10 people have diabetes. In 1960, only one in seven were obese. Now it is one in three, and now projected by 2050, one in every two Americans will be obese. Chronic preventable diseases will cost Americans $47 trillion over the next 20 years as a result of the disease of obesity. So, what do I need to do to stay healthy? Lose weight and reverse chronic disease? 
Well, most importantly, it's about providing the right information, food, for your body to create health. I never tell someone to lose weight. I tell them to get healthy. When you put in the good stuff and get rid of the bad stuff, your body can heal and repair itself. In 1992, at the base of the food pyramid were carbs, 6 to 11 servings of bread, rice, cereal, and pasta a day. At the top of the pyramids were fats. Like good citizens, we listened and believed the government advice. And now the average American citizen consumes 152 pounds of sugar and 146 pounds of flour per year. Kids, nearly 20% of all daily calories come from sugar-sweetened beverages like sodas, sports drinks, sweetened coffees, teas, and juices. These liquid sugars are far worse as they go directly into fat production storage. They are biologically addictive, increasing your craving for more sugar. Your body doesn't recognize these calories as food, and you end up consuming more calories than you would have from solid food. These sugary drinks have been proven to cause obesity, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and cancer. Dr. Mark Hyman states in his book, Eat Fat, Get Thin. We know from the research that sugars and refined carbs are the true cause of obesity and heart disease, not fats, as we have been told. Carbs turn on the metabolic switch, causing a spike in the hormone insulin, and this leads to fat storage, especially dangerous belly fat. Sugar and refined carbs, not fat, are the culprit behind type 2 diabetes, many cancers, physical problems, and even dementia. Sugar is sugar is sugar and have the same negative effect on the body, but not so for fat. There are saturated, monounsaturated fats, polyunsaturated fats, and trans fats, and even within each of these, there are different types of fats. The right fats will not make you fat. The right ones are key to health and weight loss. Good dietary fats have many, many redeeming health qualities. Listing just a few help to lose weight, prevent dementia, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer while giving you improved mood, skin, hair, and nails. What one of us doesn't want pretty nails? <laughs> Dietary fat speeds up your metabolism, reduces your hunger, and stimulates fat burning. Dietary fat improves the brain function and mood and helps prevent dementia. I will elaborate on these dietary fats in just a few minutes. There is so much research today that has proven the old pyramids were incorrect. Today, many Americans have what we call the FLC syndrome, feel like crap, which is directly related to the food we eat. Food can harm us or it can heal us. The underlying inflammation and hormonal imbalance driven by eating the wrong foods drive not just symptoms, 
but diseases which accelerate aging. Food is the biggest environmental regulator of our bodies. Food, it turns out, is not calories, but information that radically influences our genes, hormones, immune system, brain chemistry, and even gut flora with every single bite. There is no particular recommended diet to follow. What we need is to switch to whole foods, diets rich in plant foods, but also higher in good fats. Focusing on quality and the composition of the diet, not the quantity. The amount and type of protein, fat, and carbs. A high-fat diet, a low-carb diet leads to faster metabolism and sustained weight loss. Remember, the biggest determinant of our weight and our health is the food we eat and the portions, plus exercise. What we really want to do is to stick to extra virgin oil, ideally organic, olive oil, avocados, and almonds. Essential fats are omega-6 and omega-3, and we can't manufacture these essential fats, so we have to take them in through our foods, which are the ones I just mentioned, or through some type of a supplement. So I think it's pretty safe to say that we all know that good nutrition is key to fighting the most common diseases. At this point, do you think you could talk about the benefits of all natural, low glycemic, good fats, and oils and proteins in the diet? And then also touch on the importance of protein to our bone health and muscle mass. In today's world, Lynn, it is a confusing mess to know what to put into our bodies and to make them and keep them healthy. As I mentioned earlier, what do we have in life if our bodies are not healthy? We are what we eat. Thus, the importance to treasure your body and treat it as though it is your prized possession, as it is. Some foods to make choices from, I'll list now. This is only a synopsis. First, I want to tell you that there is one food item not to eat. And that is, as you probably guessed by now, sugar. This means a diet high in sugar, anything that causes a spike in our insulin production, is not good for us. Sugar, flour, and refined carbohydrates. Dr. Hyman would say, think of sugar as a recreational drug. Only use it sparingly and occasionally. (laughs) Now, what do we eat? That's a problem everywhere because people really don't know because we hear so much information on the radio, on the television, on advertising. But here's what we really should eat. Mostly plants, veggies, the deep, dark-colored ones. The more variety, the better. Mostly non-starchy ones. Not white potatoes, because believe it or not, it has high glycemic, and it's like eating a piece of sugar. But sweet potato is different, because it has a lot of fiber in it. Fruits, the low glycemic fruits such as berries and kiwis. Watch the grapes and the melons. They are also high in sugar. And think of dried fruit as candy. Just keep it to a minimum if you eat it at all. 
Stay away from foods, from pesticides, antibiotics, hormones, and GMO foods. Eat foods containing healthy fats, such as omega-3 fatty acids, and other good fats like nuts, seeds, olive oil, and avocados. Saturated fats from fish, whole eggs, grass-fed raised meat, grass-fed butter, and organic virgin coconut or butter, and Atlantic fresh salmon. Eat very small amounts of sunflower, corn, grapeseed, and especially soybean oil. And actually, mostly stay away from them. Small amounts of walnut oil is fine if it's used only as a condiment. Limit or avoid dairy except for occasional yogurt and even cheese if it comes from grass-fed cows. And always go organic and grass-fed whenever possible. It costs more now when people say, oh, that's so expensive, but what will the cost be down the line? Eat sustainable raised or harvested low-mercury fish, such as sardines, herring, anchovies, and wild-caught salmon, all of which are high in omega-3 and low in mercury levels. It was interesting for me to find out that the smaller fish appear to be the healthiest and the lowest in mercury. Avoid gluten. Some research reports that gluten damages the gut. But again, it's individual as to whether you have a gluten problem. Eat starchy beans only once in a while. Lentils are the best. Modest amounts of beans can be okay, but can cause digestive problems in many, many people. As you hopefully heard, Lynn, from all the information that I know, there is no quick fix. A diet or a special food that is a panacea that we all wish for is truly about developing a healthy lifestyle. And to reiterate, a healthy lifestyle is choosing a healthy diet, meaning healthy foods to put into your prized body. Daily exercise of at least 30 minutes, seven to eight hours of sleep each night, stretching, being flexible, and a quiet time for you to calm and close your eyes if only for five minutes without interruption to allow yourself some peace of mind. I know I want to live long, be healthy, avoid diseases, and therefore I do not want to eat things that I believe will threaten my health or longevity and an opportunity to be a healthy, badass, savvy senior. That's excellent. Thanks so much, Elaine. You really did take me from simple to savvy in one episode. To wrap up, I just have to say that Elaine may be one of the smartest and most credentialed people that I'm lucky enough to have in my circle. I mean no offense to almost all of my other friends, but seriously? So in light of that, I hesitate to add what I found from my personal trial and error. As Elaine reiterates what the experts say, that there is no one diet for all. But after years of maintaining a steady diet for most of my life and then slowly gaining 10 pounds, the only diet that really put the brakes on and reduced my weight within months was a keto diet, which is actually in keeping with the basis of what Elaine and most experts state regarding the elimination of carbs and sugars. The keto diet has pretty much been my solution, 
In fact, I've watched it work for many others who have adhered to it. Obviously, avoiding sugars and incorporating good facts and a regular exercise routine has been key. I can't say that I had to make really huge lifestyle changes as I've always been interested in health and exercise. It's just that my idea of what a healthy diet is has undergone as many changes as the food pyramids. I've always loved fresh fruit and used to start each day with grapefruits and oranges. Once I swapped those out for the less sugary fruits like berries, I noticed an immediate difference in my weight. So to just say to eat fresh fruit and vegetables may not be enough, which is why I appreciate Elaine highlighting exactly what the experts state as being key to a sensible diet. To keep it simple, the main takeaway from this piece is always check the sugar and carb content. And then go online to compare your fresh fruits and vegetables to ensure that you're making the smartest choices. Continuing with our theme of the day, just be bold, strong, healthy, and informed. Until next time.